Yeah. Check one, two. All right. We live, bro. We good. Dude, uh, I'll let you do it. It's been a while. Oh, okay, yeah. It's uh, it's Monday, October 1st, 6, 12 p.m., and the Cubs lost in the tiebreaker today to the Milwaukee Brewers, so they get pushed back to the wild card playoffs, and they have to play an extra game against either the Dodgers or the Rockies to be determined. Mm. So that kind of sucked, but whatever. And for those of you that aren't in the know, he's talking about baseball. Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, the Cubs. Right? And, uh, yeah, it's me, Greg, and we're Party Mike again. It's yeah. been, been a few weeks. It has been. We've been busy doing stuff, life. Wait, we did, yeah, we did one after, I'm throwing my phone over there. Right. <laughs> Upside down. We did off. one uh, after I got back from Amsterdam. Yeah. And that, that was it. That was the last one we did. Nice. Yeah. So let's get right into the week first, because it's Monday. It is So what did you do this week on today? Today, you know, I'm not going to lie, I read an article the other day about I'm kind of a perfectionist in that uh, sometimes it's nice just not to overachieve. So I, today was a half day. <laughs> Good. Good. I got up, did a few things, and I went back to sleep on the couch for a couple more hours. And I got up and listened to the Cubs game from like 12 to 3. And I ran around the city and I did some errands. And I came back and I set my alarm to not miss this podcast. And I laid back down on the couch. So Dude, was... I debated calling you because <laughs> last week... Mike, had, I don't want to out him. Feel uh, free, scheduled, and uh, I got all set up. I even like tested the levels and stuff before. Oh, and I was like, all right. And then it was like six oh five, and I'm like, he's coming. Hold your breath. <laughs> Hold your breath. He said six oh five. And then I get the call, and I'm like, oh shit! The he's second working I saw on his car, I he was, was super into it. I didn't uh, even care. I felt like I was yeah. very uh, understanding because I have other stuff to do. He was very understanding, but I felt like a heel. I was just you know, welding on the K five, you know, getting myself all burned up and cut, and that's why I've got these gloves. Don't you on. have the leather like front suit that you wear? I when you actually weld? did. You I went out. See all these little little bumps on my arm here? Yeah. That's because I wasn't wearing any protective equipment, and I basically. Collected about a thousand, thousands of slags from, you know, the grinding and all that. You don't use the heavy gas, shielding uh, gas? I know, I use the shielding gas, but that's mm. from running the grinder and all the sparks from it. And mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. If, you, if, if you smell something burning, it's probably you on fire. And again, I let myself on fire. Should I so. use shielding gas on my welder? Well, you have to if, like you're, a... if you're doing big welding. Really? You have to. Well, otherwise. you got, you know, you have the, the feed, the wired stuff that has it built in. Well, yeah, okay, so that's flux core. That's what that's, I've been using. That's, that's nasty. It's, if you, I've never really tried it, honestly. It's, it's not a, bad, but it's dirty, man. Mm, yeah, it's, you get lava dropping on you. No, I, I bought a, I have a two hundred. I have a hundred twenty-five cubic foot tank of shielding gas, and it's uh, it's like seventy-five percent argon, twenty-five percent CO two or something. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of that is, while well, we get off topic, I guess the whole point of the shielding gas is to uh, keep the oxygen out where you're creating the weld to yep. get a nice, nice, nice weld. Like a roll of nickels, I like to call it. Like a roll of shiny nickels. That's right. Whenever you get that good will. I'm aspiring to make the shiny nickels. <laughs> like a roll of nickels, baby. So, so yeah. maybe you can show me, um, because I want, I'm going to cut out the floor pans in my Jeep. Yeah. And I have new ones, like oh. brand new ones to Ooh. weld in. Cool. So, uh, yeah, Mike's really good. My other friend, Mike, he's really good at uh, welding also. So yeah. it's like, man, I got so much Mike welding information. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be happy. It's like so many things else. It's all about the prep. You know, you got to pre-fit it, and mm-hmm. you got to make sure you have all the paint scraped off for a nice weld. And yeah, it's all about that clean finish. Temperature you get that control, wire brush action, brush it off, all the stuff. You know, like anything else. The welding part's actually like 
like the last part, really, in a bit. Fair but enough. I brought it's your like movie being... back, though. Don't forget, I brought your movie back. Go, go ahead and tell your day, and then let's get into this movie. <laughs> okay. That was pretty much my day. Um, I put a new battery in the K5 and getting that all ready to go. And the last thing I'm doing right now is, is mocking up a bumper for the back of it, and then I get to insure it again and enjoy insuring three vehicles, but I'm super stoked to drive it again because it's just a lot of fun. It's just a, a big beast of a truck, and it's my apocalypse truck. And I get a lot of I, a lot of people will see the truck wherever I go and, and park it, and they will wait until I come back from either you know, Woodman's or the, <laughs> wherever I'm coming out to talk to me. Conversation piece. Yeah, it's it's more often than not, there'll be like a person just like standing next to my car or my truck, and it's like, okay, what's this guy doing? And they, you know, start seeing walking around and looking at it and stuff. And some people even get down on the ground and look up on like super truck guys, and they're all like, "What's up with this truck, bro?" And I'm like, "Well, here, let me tell you a story." It's all fabricated. It's it's fifty percent custom, basically. Um, it's a nineteen ninety K five Blazer. So last year they built the full size square bodies, and uh, I bought it about six years ago, and it was just rusted out. And I, I bought I bought OEM panels from a place called LMC. I was going to put in the original metal, and I, I literally had every single panel. And I went to go start doing it, and they just weren't lining up. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is shit. This is no fun. It's just going to have another same old truck. So right. I, I found the metal shop, Metal Supermarkets and Loves Park, and the team there is great. They cut my metal to spec. And it's cheap to, to get the stuff you want. And I bought a welder, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn how to do this. And I just started going on it, and one thing led to another, and I cut the entire floor out of the thing. How hard is it to, like, say, why well, this gauge steel, and I need to get this much penetration so it well, binds together? Is there a formula there, you use? There is, actually. It's on the welder. This is the all-welding podcast. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's on the welder. It actually says, uh, you know, for what you're trying to do, this is and that. But... Um, basically, my welder isn't. It's a smaller welder, so I basically crank it. And the one thing you really have to figure out is the wire speed, how fast yeah. the wire comes out. Yep. Um, and man, it, it took me quite a while to really get this down. It's like an art, and you have to have a really good ground. I got a really badass magnetic ground now that that's really good ground. Do you have a dedicated twenty amp for this thing? I do. I ran my own. Some popping breakers. I did. Like it, nobody's business. I, I had to put a sub panel in the basement first yep. to do that, and then I ran a dedicated thirty amp circuit out to the garage 100 amp at your house or 200 i have a 100 amp breaker okay. service yeah, yeah so the just the level of things i had to do just to get the welder yeah. to work properly was pretty intense awesome and uh you know i got pretty good i'm not the greatest but i'm definitely better than i was when i started several years ago so um do you have I'll, the k5 outside it's it parked no. it's parked outside no oh. it's uh, the yukon right now it's not, it's not insured oh okay um but soon soon Sweet. i can't wait hope you get a bunch of snow can't wait stoked so i went back to work today <clears throat> oh yeah you, you you've been off work this whole time no 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 no, <laughs> no i was just talking about my day oh, okay yeah uh, it was pretty good um i'm doing some uh, python programming at work yeah. so i'm teaching myself that uh, syntax the programming language doing some cool stuff fixing um issues right coming up with solutions yeah um programming so i don't have to be like an all-the-time programmer i can be like a i put this together and following some standards, it's kind of fun. What's what's Python exactly? It's just scripting language, programming language. Yeah. So like you know, C, old school C programming. Oh, see, C I know HTML. I know HTML. I actually yeah. did that, but that's it. Yeah, the web code stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you have object Objective C. That's what like Apple uses. Okay. And then like the .NET C world is all Microsoft. I've and then heard. Google uses Python. Google. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's not why I'm using Python. I just it's one of the 
best, most accessible languages to learn. Oh, well, and I've done other ones. Super fun though. Kind of. I makes like sense. the logic and the fun and figuring out problems. See, I never, I never, I, you know, I actually coded back in the day, like maybe like in grade school or some shit. We had to write a program, Basic. line 10, command. Oh yeah, go to 10. Go to 10. Loop it. And then I did that, but I was more involved playing Oregon Trail and dying from dysentery than, than really. That's pretty. right. How many oxen did you start <laughs> oh with? That's God, what I want to know. Always, you had to have the good oxen. That was key. <laughs> and food was important. And bullets. Yeah. I'm like shooting the thing. So Remember the thing fun. would just come across the screen and you had to push the button, the space bar, and pew, you saw the bullet go up. And yeah. like, oh, we eat good tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you starve. It's like, I can't carry all this meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old Oregon Trail. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. And then I'm, uh, I haven't, did I start my new workout program when we talked last? I was razzing you about crossfitting last I knew, but that yeah, was Yeah, crossfit's right. been done. Oh, of course, it's gone. And I was doing my home crossfit thing. That's oh, right. okay. God, I said crossfit twice, three times now. I do um, bacon fit. That's what I've been doing. Mm. So. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I started lifting at home. Yeah. And uh, six days a week of oh, heavy lifting. Good for you. Week four right now. Wow. So in four weeks, I've uh, I've lifted weights. 19 times wow. so far. That's a nice prime number, too. You've been getting your swole on. Yeah. Swole. Gains, bro. <laughs> Gains. <laughs> but that's, I didn't really want to talk about this recapping my day. Now I want to hear what you thought because I loaned you Antitrust. Okay, yes. The movie. Let me take a quick look at the back yeah, here. Yeah, just yeah. like a quick. Um, so I watched Antitrust and I 2001. Okay. Uh, I liked it. I really did. It, the, the cool part about this movie, for those of you who haven't seen it, was. That it was 17 years ago. And it's got Ryan Philippe, uh, Rachel Lee Cook, mm-hmm. uh, Claire Filani, and Tim Robbins is the, quote, bad guy. And uh, the, just, the, just the the way they <laughs> they had all the, the stuff, all the computer stuff. I was like, oh, that's cute. That's kind of fun. And the premise is this Ryan Philippe's really smart guy. And Tim Robbins is like the Bill Gates, uh, like the Bill Gates or the Steve Jobs kind of guy. And he's trying to bring... Uh, basically, his version of internet to all mobile, yeah, all devices. Global internet 2.0 to all devices. All devices. Like you can video chat yeah. from your little tablet phone Literally. to somebody else. Holy crap. And it was cute because a lot of the stuff he was talking about was precursors. That stuff didn't exist. Yeah, now it's commonplace. And now it's everywhere. It's on your phone. So mm-hmm. it was it was a pretty good movie. There's some uh, double crossing and stuff like that. I liked it. At, at the end of the day, I, I watched the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> Just fast forward through Freaking it. Lost like, lost translation. translation. <laughs> uh, but I, I did enjoy it. I'm, I'm going to give it. A, I'm going to give it a seven uh, out of ten. That's um, really good. It's pretty good. So I, enjoy, I, I would watch it, knowing what I know. I would watch it again. Yeah, I, I actually give it like seven point eight. Ooh, seven point. Yeah, okay, seven point is good. There's so definitely some cuties here. I think. I mean, is, it, is that is that Claire Ferlani? That one on the right there? I don't know. Well, either way, sh- there's a lot lady. of beautiful women in the show for sure. I'm partial to beautiful women, so yeah, so that's cool. But yeah, it was it was a good great movie. Great computer movie, though, right? It was a great computer like movie. Thriller, yep. hacker, computerish. Yeah, it was yep. it was pretty good. Not up there with the Matrix, well, obviously, but you know the um the Unix Linux scenes in that movie yeah. where he's in the playpen area. I was watching him type yeah. the stuff to see if that looked legit. Those are real or not. commands. Okay. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, he's typing stuff. <laughs> My internet was like, I'm typing things. <laughs> he's typing. He's doing the stuff kind of deal. He's doing it. But I liked it. It was uh, the, the truth can be dangerous, but trust can be deadly. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just read that off yeah, the front? Yeah, I just read off the front of it. Oh, I'm dead inside. Oh my god. <laughs> 
that's good. So I, I I do approve of this this movie. What's the next movie I'm going to get? We don't forget we got to get another movie for me. We'll have to Just look, every time movies, huh? We'll have to look at the thing. Man, I have so many pictures of you holding Blu-rays on my phone. I watched The Princess Bride the other night uh, with the mm-hmm. girl, and uh, that was just a great movie. What are some of Andre the Giant's quotes from that movie? Like, oh, he says God. so many golden he, things. He, he's so hard to understand in the first place. <laughs> like, oh, I'm so big. Something about uh, sportsman stuff. Like, I wanted to yeah. fight you sportsman-like. And he, like, he throws the rock and explodes. And it was such a good movie. He's so lovable. He is lovable. He's a lovable giant. It's yeah. a good movie. Um, but yeah, so... So yeah, what? Uh, so I'm gonna read off off my phone here because yep. mine's like to, on the floor because I threw it. I, I'm a big fan <laughs> of not having the phones handy, but I want to make sure I get this right. No, no, it's fine. So I asked Greg last week what we're talking about, and he goes, "Futurology, specifically autonomous cars, AI, and also the power of the human brain, mind, and our perception of reality." Damn. Bam. So I've been watching a shitload of YouTube videos. I'm on, glad you have on that stuff, and I might go off on some tangents when I get talking. Because I don't know if you know this. Our dynamic here is you bring all the content and local references and up-to-date things, and I give my take on it, and I like little dabbles. I'm yeah. like, oh, I saw a little bit about this and this. Because you're a good um, host. You're I just want to do my thoughts about it more. That's like, good. Um, I'll, we'll, we'll get it out there. Do you want to Do you want to start since you pick the topics, and then I'll kind of key in on that? Or? So the futurology, like as far as um, self-driving cars, what, what spawned that and what had that seed in my head is my parents got a new car. What did so they get? They got a 2018 CRV. Okay, cool. Love it. It's yeah. a really nice car. Um, hybrid, hybrid something. No, no just gas. Yeah, but it had the, the CVT transmission. Okay, yeah. Continuously variable. No variable. I drove one of those. Just keeps it right at the it right RPM. It was really weird for me, though. I drove a yeah. car with a CVT, and I'm like, but wait for it. But it's so it. smart. Wait for infinite it. Infinite gear ratio, bro. Wait for Do it. Do the math on that. I know, right? It's infinite. <laughs> 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 Sorry, math puns. Oh, we are going to talk about numbers today, too, so that's yeah. the thing. So, um, yeah. So, anyways. they got this car. And I was taking my dad golfing a couple weeks ago, and I was like, cool, can I drive it? And he's like, yeah. So I drove it, and I was like, does this have any of the self-driving stuff? And he's like, yeah. So I, I look, and I see this like lane thing. I hit it. He's like, you just let go, and it's good. So I set the cruise control, and it said like lane mode. And in the middle console where the speedometer would be normally, it shows like the car and the lanes. And then you just see the steering wheel just like doing this what? little move back and forth thing. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is perfect. And I, I, I set cruise control. So I'm doing as much as my dad's doing driving. Were you on the highway? Uh, we were on Route 2. So, yeah, highway. Oh, not but even But it's a two-lane, so I'm trusting it to not, not swerve and head-on collision. <laughs> like, what? I love you, machines. So Were your hands, like, like just hovering over the steering wheel? I like, couldn't be bothered. I just put my hands on my lap and was talking to my dad. Oh, your God, I could not do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, let's do this, Dad. <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> Wow. So I didn't even know Honda had a driving thing. Yep. Honestly. I did some research on this. And so what's cool is it has the capability. Um, It lost a little bit. So like we went around these curves and the lines kind of disappeared. Yeah. And it lost it. I'm like, I'm not touching it. And it was like, oh, I can't tell. (laughs) It started slowing down. (laughs) But then it found found it and it got back centered and resumed. So the the thing that they have. So this is for liability because all the regulations is after about 30 seconds, you have to provide input. Not yeah. touch the steering wheel. You have to touch the steering wheel and move it a different way than it's trying to. Yeah. So I, that pissed me off. Well, so Tesla's I, the same I way. Was like, yeah, Tesla does the same thing. It's a liability thing, right? So they can completely enable where you don't have to touch it. But it's just a regulation, adoption, blah, blah, blah. 
So I said, no, I'm not going to touch the steering wheel. <laughs> and my dad's awesome. He, he didn't give a I will shit. not touch you. Do <laughs> He's it. He's like, whatever. Now that I think of it, he didn't even care. He's like, okay. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not touching the steering wheel. And it's like me, me, input yeah. required, input required. And it starts drifting out of the lane. I'm like, well, what the hell is this? Well, we're going to kill you then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It started driving off the road. I'm like, no, I'm not touching the steering what? wheel. And my parents' new car was <laughs> about to go. And then it's like lane correction. And it brought it back and it started slowing down. Oh, so it's, so it's well, like, I'm going to scare human. the crap out of you because and pull you off the road. Oh, and that's what it did. Yeah, it was purpose. weird. Yeah. Wow. It made it seem like it lost where it was and just went all out of the lane and then corrected. But it needs input and starts just doing all this weird That's stuff. Weird. So I looked in like, um, even like a Honda Fit. You know what a Honda yeah. Fit? It's a little the tiny Fit car. is go. I like that thing. Yeah, it's new, like eighteen thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars. Really? That's not too bad. Yeah, their um, twenty thousand dollar version has the, the same stuff. Wow! You can get on the highway and just just an entry level car. So if you're driving and you have it on in the highway, you're driving right, and if you get all sleepy or whatever, it's going to correct. And it's going to, wow. Yeah, it's awesome. I didn't think it was to that level, honestly. So we're that level, and it's on a lot of the cars now. Like, oh, wow. I didn't them, realize that. Yeah, like Cadillac has a really good one. It's mostly high end stuff, right? It was Mercedes. I, think, I believe Ford has one. Honda for sure has yeah, one. Tesla for sure. Tesla I, was like leading the way on that, obviously. I, I, I put up on Facebook the guy, the not the video, but a guy did a review of the Tesla Model 3. Uh, which is the I want one. It's not the it's 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 on step to be the car for the masses. So Tesla, which is what I was researching, obviously because I'm an Elon fan. Uh, their their type the Type S I forgot. There's the the most expensive car they make is like seventy five thousand dollars, and then yeah, we step down. The, there's a Model S, the X, S, and the three. S yeah, the three is the price pointed at thirty five thousand dollars. Yeah, but that's. That's without the driving. Yeah, and all the, the one stuff. that you want to buy it's is like, like rear wheel drive only or yeah. something or front only. It's like any other car. You have the base yeah. model and then you have the add the I kitted one out online. Did you? And I did all the stuff. Like I want all the stuff. Um, what, what did it come out to be for price? Seven seventy thousand. We right back to where the other car is. Then it's yeah. ridiculous. But that and that included like paying five thousand. So when they have full autonomous, you get the free upgrade. Oh yeah, over, yeah, over that's the air cool. upgrade. The night, the neat. Well, one of the neat things about Tesla, I, I did some research too. They actually have a supercharging station uh, right out of the mall. Yeah, it's free. Two miles um, from here. For, it's. Uh, I think he changed it. It was supposed to be free electric for the life of the vehicle if you bought a Tesla originally. But he is going to change it. You're going to have to start paying to use you know the charging stations, whatever. And what's the equivalent in? Uh Gas, I probably. didn't even look at it's the probably numbers. Like, it's still going to be less, I'd imagine, to have the peel. To I mean, if it's the same price as gas, why would you even want to deal with it? So yeah, because I think the the equivalent was like what 120 miles per gallon, 110, like the energy wise. Oh, okay, it's still going to be cheaper. Yeah. Um, one of the really cool things that Tesla does is when they have an update to a new thing, they don't wait for the next model year. They just start putting it in the cars, mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a it's a constant upgrade of the vehicle. So one thing I wanted to say about this was the um. The freaking Tesla, like the biggest buying point is there's no oil. The the maintenance. Maintenance. The zero maintenance. The maintenance. Like you have to change your oil every month if you drive yeah. a lot. Like more than that. For so it's, it's, it's extreme for me. The K five requires almost daily maintenance. Like it, yeah. something needs to be fixed all the time. Yeah. And the 
other side of that, from what you're hitting on, is the Tesla doesn't have any. Ma- the only maintenance you really have to do is make sure there's air in the tires and uh, suspension work. Really, it's, it's four independent motors yeah. on the wheels, right? And that's it. That's it. And you don't have any of the fluids. The the engines essentially run for a million miles. What they say, a million miles, no maintenance, and you don't have to do like. Any of the stuff. Well, I want one it's, of these with a the fiberglass body, then, it's, because it's, it's going to rust out before it dies. It, that's that, that's literally it. The Tesla S got a 5.4 star on a five star NHTSA <laughs> that crash <bothers> rating. Me. <laughs> it got more stars than you could actually get. How does that work? It's it's because the entire front of the car is a crumple zone because there's no engine in there, so it's one giant impact taking thing. They can you can stack four. Tesla, uh, I think it's S's, on top of each other <laughs> before the roof starts to show any signs of, of bending. It's Whoa. just it's just one giant safety box. So I want one of these. They're, um, they're neat cars. It's pretty much like they're going to be the first. Do you think they're going to be the first one that releases the autonomous update? I, I think so. Um, so they'll be the leading the way on that. Yeah. When that happens, I'm going to get one. I, I'm waiting for the next version to where like they price it down. Like, okay, here's the everyman. Well, hopefully He's, by then it is the next version. He's shooting for the, that's his whole whole plan is to revolutionize not just well the car industry really and he has a vertical integration system where he wants he's producing he has he owns solar city which is the largest panel producing company of solar in the country of the world um he's building the gigafactory and i think it's nevada or utah or nevada i think it's nevada yeah nevada, nevada. yeah it's a giant factory that is essentially going to double the production of lithium-ion batteries in the in the world because he's trying to make. What's the waste and recycling like on that? I don't know, but I know I do know that you lithium-ion mining is like strip mining. It's not not great for the environment, that's mm-hmm. for sure. But essentially, any any mega industry is not going to be good for the environment. But if you look at the big picture, it's less than destructive than yeah, oil. storing energy. Right? It's like the sources of energy and storing and you gotta, energy. You got to get two big it. problems yeah. there. And he has the power wall, which is going to be a system for a home energy where you it's a combination of electric solar panels and, and batteries to power your home and he's doing all of these things he tesla has a larger market capitalization than gmc or ford and they've only been around for 10 years that's right. insane so think of the last the last startup car company was chrysler back in like the 30s or 40s and tesla is the only actual startup company that's emerged and has actually uh, become successful and they are already after 10 years have a larger market cap than gmc that's impressive that's it's ridiculous did you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast with Elon Musk on it? You know, I did. I actually tried watching a Joe Rogan podcast for research for this, mm-hmm. and I just don't get into Joe. Like, I don't, for some reason, I don't like listening to him. <laughs> he, he's cool. Uh, I, I don't I not to like a, Joe. I a just lot don't of them. get into him. Yeah. He's, um, sometimes he can be kind of like uh, too much of him and not the host. Yeah. Like, Obviously, he's steering where it's going. Yeah. And sometimes you're like, yeah, but that's a hard job. I mean, it's super, obviously, it's successful as hell. He's it's doing, like the number one. Yeah. He's doing really well with it for sure. Podcast, but. So, autonomous. So, my take, what I researched more was it from the trucking industry perspective, I guess. Um, mostly because my, my, my immediate brother, John, is a truck driver. He has a CDO. And I have several friends that uh, also have CDLs. And the trucking industry right now is just on struggle. They cannot fill these positions for truck drivers. They just can't. It's mm-hmm. epic. It's worldwide. And it's going to impact you and me and everybody. They're, they're thinking this might be the be- the start of what causes the next uh, recession is that you just simply not enough people to get stuff from A to B. 
Okay. And there's just a huge uh, calling for people to drive trucks. And there's this, I read like the top tens list of why it's so hard to find truckers. And turns out there's pretty some pretty messed up things on there. A trucker in general, his job is more dangerous than a law enforcement officer statistically because of their uh, road time. They yeah. So many accidents. Dude, being on the road is dangerous. All the time. Tons of risk. And the, they're opening these positions at $70,000 a year, $80,000 a year. And they just can't get people to stick with it. You know, because it's a, it's a nomadic lifestyle. You're on the road for two or three weeks at a time. They have the highest divorce rate out of any industry. Yeah, because you got to find love on the road. <laughs> Lot lizards and all that stuff. <laughs> you're, you're living in truck stops. You're eating Hot Pockets for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You're sleeping in the back of a truck. That sounds so bad. And it's just... And it's, <laughs> <laughs> hot pockets and it's just not a great industry to be in people don't want to do it so elon uh, actually is looking at he's actually uh marketed the first autonomous fully electric semi that can drive itself kind of deal as well and they actually did a run with one of these vehicles um not inter, not interstate but was within a state mm-hmm. and the semi uh drove itself from like point A to point B from the warehouse to the distributor. I think it was delivering beer or something. Um, of course, which is an, it's a tr- it's a semi. So this thing is backing itself up. It's a semi. That's insane. Um, they still had to have a team in there, obviously, to you know make mm-hmm. sure shit didn't go wrong. Um, which is another thing that the this is the next part of my, my discussion with uh, uh, self self driving cars. You even hit on it earlier when you were saying, "Oh, input required." What happens if one of these things gets into an accident? Like, who is liable at that point? Like, honestly, I saw some articles about this too. You know, and like you got to figure out this has to be. It can't be a state thing. Illinois can't have one law and Wisconsin have another law because it's going to be interstate. It has to be a federal law. It has to be a federal law saying these parties are responsible. If something happens, and what I think is going to happen is just because the nature of the the, the systems are all going to be unique. They're all going to be proprietary, for one. Yeah. It, I think ultimately it's going to come down to the end user, the, the driver, the owner of the vehicle. Whoever is in the vehicle ultimately is responsible for whatever that car does. Yeah, and I think we'll have insurance to cover that as far as yeah. the, the financial responsibility. But the uh, legal responsibility, the like repercussions what the, there. What if the car hits somebody? You know, there's, there's things that... I think ultimately it's going to be it's going to call fall upon the user to make that choice. Hey, you push this thing in automatic, you you're going to be behind the wheel, but it's going to be driving. If something happens, it's all you. So you're taking that risk essentially to to do that. It has to be because you can't put it on the manufacturer. That no other industry does that. No one. No, but so does that mean the cars autonomous cars will have to be owned by a company and not by people? And it's more of a uh, subscription model for that cars? That is interesting you say that because that is what a lot of industry experts think that the world of driving is going to go to. Everything's going to be a subscription. And everything to where, it, to where if you own a car, you're a weirdo. Like, why do you have a car? Mm-hmm. It's basically crowdsourced. Where you, it's like Uber. It's, it's a nat- it's this Uber system nationally where you push the button and a self-driving car shows up on your doorstep in three minutes. It takes you from A to B, and then you push the button again, and it takes you home. You don't have any of the cost of ownership, any of the maintenance, none of it. You just hop in this autonomous car, and it takes you from A to B. Hmm. That sounds cool. It sounds boring. It's fun. But, you know, I like yeah. I like my loud, noisy, irresponsible truck because I like to drive. I, I enjoy it. Got that. my Jeep, bro. It's fun. Jeep but I, wave. I think that our generation might be one of the last generations that really gets to fool around in, in, in cars and customize them and do what we want to do with them because it's just going to go the way of the, the horse. Um, yeah, and we got to go for bigger things, man. Like we get, just as a society, serving and moving we, forward. We do. I, 
I read a four part article uh, on a really cool website for those of you listening, especially if you, it's called wait, but why, um, wait, but why is a tech based blog and the, the writers, they're not writing like a one or a two page thing. They're writing um, mini novels on topics. And one of the topics was Elon Musk. And it was a four part topic. And each topic is like 20 pages of, of reading. So I read, read through four topics. Nice. And it's all, it talked all about Elon and it talked all about Tesla and it talked all about how he's trying to get to the, you know, Mars and all that kind of stuff. But a big part of part one was the history of energy. And how basically, oh, we figured out, you know, how to get all these jewels out of wood first. And then the steam engine came about and that helped start the Industrial Revolution. And then, oh, well, we can get more jewels out of this oil from the ground. So that's that was like a boom, big kind of thing. And in 1900, people don't realize, in 1900, before cars were commonplace, the electric car was an equal running to take over just as much as the gasoline car. Mm-hmm. They were both head to head and if you would ask anybody in the 1900s 100 years from now which of these two technologies would they think would be better they would they most of them would have said the electric car because electric was a big deal back in 1900 that oh, was yeah. a, that was a game changer like wait a minute, lights what's yeah. that you know so that was that electricity was the tip of the spear for technology and it was like oh well obviously cars are gonna be electric and interestingly enough cars at the turn of the 19th century had the same exact problems that cars electric cars today do with uh, capacity you know how far can you drive on a battery and yep. battery production it's yep. still the same thing yep. so basically it turned out that gas was well really cheap and it was abundant and it wasn't it was no technological hurdles for it so basically it just won out and that's why we have gas cars. And if you think about it, over the last 120, 130 years for gas cars, sure, they look shiny and pretty and there's computers involved, but it's still taking a, a gas, a chemical, and making explodey things happen in a mechanical system to spin gears, to, to turn wheels. It's it's very crude if you oh, think yeah. about it. It's just very crude. Instead of just turning the wheels into turning the wheels with electricity all this transfer of energy it, all this trans it's it, their heat engines you know is it at the crank or is it at the wheel it's <laughs> where you get the horsepower development from and it's like you know it's just yeah. it's just uh, their heat engines and they're massively inefficient even the best heat engines only 50 percent efficient which means half of that is just waste heat yeah you know so i don't know we're driving around on 100 year old technology even the, even your parents brand new car the gas is still a remnant yeah. uh, it's a gas-powered car you yeah know? that's basically where i'm at is i'm not going to buy another car and I'll invest when it's electric and self-driving. That's, I'm in. That's where I'm kind of coming from. I have three V8 trucks, and honestly, I don't. <laughs> I want more trucks, but that's America. that's pretty much good. I got my <laughs> yeah right. America. You met your quota. Literally, I met so. my quota. I've got enough trucks. The next vehicle I buy, I would I would like to own uh, an electric vehicle, just For because sure. I think that's a responsible thing to do. Chevy Volt. Chevy Volt out there. <laughs> um, then there's the Nissan Leaf kind of deal too, and you know I'm I'm still waiting. It's going to be many years down the road before I really you know get into the market for electric car but um i'm really hoping that tesla comes out with a twenty thousand dollar entry level car that just has all the bells and whistles but you know whatever it doesn't have to look cool i just want a cheap car to drive right and if so, it's autonomous i mean do we need to own a car then whether or not if it's autonomous was it four percent five percent of the time a car is in use it literally cars mostly just sit there that's literally what most cars do is just really just sit around all mm-hmm. the time um, and honestly, as a society, we need, we need better forms of transportation to get, get around because there's only so many places to put cars, really. I mean, honestly, yeah. think about it. And cars are a huge bill. I mean, just a massive bill for people with all the things they have to fix. And we're talking society changing stuff because when you don't have an entire 
industry to support this car. You don't have the O'Reilly's. Mm-hmm. You don't have all the manufacturers of the oils and the parts and all the resellers and all the people that work at these stores and all the mechanic shops and all the things, this multi-billion dollar industry that supports gas cars. That's a society changer because you don't have those people working anymore in that industry because it just doesn't exist. Yep. It's the same thing as you had all the buggy whip makers and all the horse buggy people back in the day and all the people that did the horse stuff. They they went out of business because there's no more horse. They try stuff. to stall progress. And yeah, you corrupt. Could, things. You could have been the best horse whip maker in the in the world, but if there's no horse with the whip, <laughs> what are you gonna <laughs> yeah, do? What bro? are you if you're not, are you, whipping you're, you're not whipping horses? So it's the same thing with cars. So it's it's one of those things where this kind of segues into um, our next conversation, which is the the, the futurology and the way. Uh, technology is changing the way we live our lives and, and all of it. So I kind of want to step into that topic if, if you if you're ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready. Cool. I'd, I'd like to start because with with num with a number with numbers. I want to have a conversation on what numbers are, and uh, it'll make sense later on. But so you mentioned Google, uh, Google, G O O G O L. I'm going to give you a th- uh, just a quick run through of how bi- how big a number really can be. A Google yeah. is ten to the one hundredth power, ten with a hundred up there. And you, you can write out that number, and it takes about 90 seconds to write out a Google. It's just, boom, it's done. So I watched an interesting video with two mathematicians, and they sang all the zeros. And she was singing on her fiddle, and she sang, and the guy was writing the zeros. And after about 90 seconds, he wrote out a Google. It was on paper. Mm-hmm. So they started singing for the Googleplex. Now, a Googleplex is a 10 to the Google power. So it's 10 with 101 with 100 zeros oh my God. after it. So, and the upper script is a one with 100 zeros behind that. So it's 10 to the 100th power. So he starts writing these numbers out and she's singing and he's like, this isn't gonna take forever. And she goes, well, let's, let's do this. Let's do a fun trick. How about we take all the humans that ever lived and we take all the cells in every human, which is about seven or eight trillion cells per human. And we go from the beginning of time and every single thing sings a zero every second. Okay, cool. So I'm going to give you a scope of how big a Googleplex is. Take the entire known universe at 93 plus billion light years across and make mm-hmm. picture that as a sphere. That's the known universe. And make that equal to a Googleplex, however you want to look at it. If you take all the humans with all the cells of the body singing a zero since the beginning of time, uh, at the end of that, you would have the equivalent of if you took a pen and you put a dot on a piece of paper, that's how much of a dent you would have put into getting all the zeros out. A dot Dang. on a piece of paper with the entire known universe <laughs> representing a Googleplex. Numbers are crazy. Okay, so that's a Googleplex. A Googleplexian. Oh, no. This will finish my conversation <laughs> on numbers. A Googleplexian is a Googleplexplex. It's one to the Googleplex power, which, if you can imagine, is just a number so stupidly large that it would literally encompass the entire known universe. If you broke it down, if you took... The smallest unit of matter, the smallest unit of size is a Planck, Planck volume. It's 1 to times 10 to the negative 35th meters. If you put a zero in every Planck unit in the known universe, you wouldn't have enough universe space to put all the zeros. <laughs> That's how big oh a Google Plex Plex God. is. So why are we talking about numbers? Why are we we're doing that? It's fascinating. Because it, it's fascinating. <laughs> and it, it, it comes back to this, futurology and, and our perception of reality and, and what, what are we really? So my thing is is the Fermi paradox, which we we should probably have a whole topic on Can that Fermi paradox. But ten thousand foot view, explain Fermi paradox. The Fermi paradox essentially is the question of if the universe is so freaking big and we can see a very large percentage of it, why have we not detected any signs of intelligent life at all? Period. 
why not? Why haven't we seen at least one sign? And there's hundreds of different uh, theories as to why we haven't seen any other type of, of civilization. We could literally spend an hour or two talking about this. But at the end of the day, it's just us floating on this little blue planet. That's all we have. Mm-hmm. So the numbers come into play. That's why I was talking about it, the, the numbers there. Um, there's approximately, this, these are just raw numbers, 100 billion galaxies in the known universe. And each galaxy contains roughly a trillion stars so there should be there's life everywhere life everywhere Mm -hmm. but we can't see it or know about it because it takes light forever to get to us and you know those things called great filters and a great filter is you know is how hard is it for life to start just to go from nothing it's called a bio bio something bioessence or something where life just starts from chemicals kind of Mm -hmm. and you have one single one cell life system how how realistic and there's a formula for fermi's paradox it literally takes all the stars and the percentages of all the things and it comes out with a number kind of deal but essentially it's we, we don't know why there's not more stuff because we're stuck in time with how slow light is right well we are what it is. light is basically the the problem and it's interesting too when we talk about the speed of light it's when you when you when you watch so many different videos on on uh, Einstein and on quantum mechanics and theory of relativity, you, you really get so many different perspectives on this stuff. And light, it's not about the speed of light, it's about the speed of information. That's what light represents, the speed of causality. That's what they call it, the fastest mm. thing a thing can happen from one place to another. And interesting enough, you talked about last time about using um, a quantum entanglement for long-distance communication. Yeah. I watched a video on why that doesn't work, too, which is pretty cool. Ah, uh, t- fill me in it's, on this. It's, it's, it's a whole other <laughs> 10 topics, and, okay. I, and I can't even get, in, get into it because it's Well, stupid. next time, it's I'm quantum, writing down quantum it's, entanglement. It's literally a video. On, it's on Isaac, it's, uh, Isaac Arthur um, about why quantum entanglement you can't use to talk over long distance basically people quantum entanglement is where you you, two particles are entwined and when you measure one or look at one the other is also decided and it doesn't matter how far apart they can be hundreds of millions of light years across when one particle is observed the other it it basically quote it it collapses the wave function essentially a choice has been made it's the, the universe at the quantum level which is the very very smallest levels of things we're talking quarks and muons and the smallest of stuff when we measure these items, we look at them and, and however scientists do that, the cho- choices are made. And at the quantum level, if, if you really want to have your mind blown, the universe knows it's being watched, which is the messed up part. And mm. when measurements are made, choices are made, and things happen. So that entangled particle that's 10 light years away instantly switches to, the, to being measured. How does information travel across that distance instantly they don't (laughs) gravity (laughs) i'm just saying matt mcconaughey was quantumly entangled with the watch well there's a lot of linear theories about 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 that stuff and gravity is one of them so there's the the four forces there's the gravitational force which we understood kind of first and the electromagnetic force and then you have the strong nuclear force and the weak nuclear force and those are the four known forces that we know of and we think there's a fifth um, that we're starting to unravel here kind of deal. And the, this this goes into uh, our, our topic here. I'll get to it uh, soon. Um, is that we're understanding more and more. What, what we're trying to do, what physicists have been trying to do since Einstein's theory of relativity uh, matched up with uh, the quantum mechanics, and this is, this is back in the 30s and 40s. The theory of relativity works very well for large objects, suns and stars and, and planets and, and the warping of space-time, basically. It's great. The, the, the program, the the formulas work Mm -hmm. 
But when you get down to the quantum scale, which is the, the, the study of the very, very, very small things, they don't work. And the, the functions just cease to work because the things are so small. And the, the Einstein theory of relativity doesn't work for the Big Bang. It doesn't, doesn't work before that moment. And it doesn't work on the very small level. So you can't have one theory, oh, we'll use this one theory for the big stuff, and then we'll have this other theory for the small stuff. It doesn't work. Does yeah, we it? don't have the answer for everything. We don't. And that's what they're looking for. It sounds trite, but they're looking for, quote, the theory of everything. Makes sense. Literally. Good name. It sounds silly. <laughs> um, they thought many years ago that uh, string theory uh, was, uh, was the deal. And, yep. it, and it promised to solve a lot of the things. And unfortunately, a lot of people put their entire careers into that and really came out with nothing on the other end. So they've kind of stepped back from string theory. Basically, string theory says that at the very smallest of levels of the matter, there's little tiny strings. If you could picture a rubber band that's vibrating, mm -hmm. there's just an infinite amount of these things. And that's what makes up our universe. And it, these these things interact and they create gravity and they create the forces and they, they make the universe kind of deal. Well, it didn't, it didn't play out on paper, so they, basically it doesn't work. So they kind of went back to the board, and the new thing, this is where we're going with, with the theory of the, the futurism and perception of reality. Yeah. Um, there's a, it's called the E8 lattice, and it's pretty cool. I watched a couple of videos on this, and basically it says that there's a structure, it's an, eight an eighth dimension structure that's projected onto the 4D world that basically makes up all of the stuff. And it's a tetrahedron based thing. If you look up E8 lattice, it's a very beautiful structure. It's this massive, I wanna say it's a geometric shape. And- I haven't seen one. It's very But cool. I already know, and it's that awesome and scientific. Let's go get tattoos. It's, it's very awesome and scientific. And the Can cool, someone do a tattoo of one? It's pretty mind-blowing if you if you look at it, and especially if you look at it in, in 3D in motion and you just spin the camera around it. But this structure, they are able to put uh, formula and known known things into it. They can put quarks into it. They can put bosons. They can put all the different structures of stuff that we know. And they can plug it into this structure and it works. And the cool thing is that there's empty spots left in this structure that represent unknown forces, unknown functions, unknown things. But the scientists say, hey, once we figure this out, we will literally know everything. What, is, wow. what does that mean? What are the practical applications for that? Well, in, in, in essence, initially, nothing really to start. But over time, just think of all the things that the theory of gravity helped us understand with, uh, with stuff. You know, we're on the moon now, and electromagnetism created electricity. You know, the theory of everything will essentially answer uh, all the questions we have about where the universe started and where it is. You and think that'll help us uh, uncover the next level of energy for us and everything, it, right? It, it will be a game changer. Yeah. It, it will It will be bigger than all of the bigger, biggest, it'll be bigger than internet, meets electricity, meets everything. It will literally take humanity to the next level of being superhumans basically it, it it's it's remarkable what you can do with uh with, with space travel with medicine with just computers ai all that stuff uh it, it's not fusion all that stuff is on the table i don't i don't know why i just had this thought but when we become the superhumans whenever that is 100 years thousand years closer than that bro, 30 years then we're talking 20 years how bad is everyone gonna feel for the people that have already passed well <laughs> So that's, that's a good question. I'm I just guess. gonna say because we have this this set of humans now yeah. that are super, right? Yeah. Like we can we can bypass any obstacle that's yeah. against us biologically, anything. Yeah. How bad are we gonna feel about the people that are already gone? Like, damn, 
Well, this is us now. Here's the thing. Uh, Ray Kurzweil, one of the futurists that's a big fan of this stuff happening, is convinced that we'll, we'll be able to bring those people back. Like, he is hoping literally to plug his dad, his passed away father, into the system and bring him back. So there's retro uh, possibilities, too, with being able to take people. Just previous DNA Previous sample DNA samples. Somehow. Combined with some other photographs. Combined with offspring DNA. Uh, yeah. And basically remaking people. Which is pretty crazy if you think about it. I don't know Can if I... Can you remake the parents off of two offspring? Well, the question becomes, what like is it really them? And this comes into our perception reality kind of deal here with what is uh, what makes you you kind of deal. And one of the interesting things I saw was like the transporter systems like on Star Trek, which interesting left had their uh, 30th anniversary today, this week back in 1987. Mm. I was 10. Star Trek Next Generation came out, which is one of my favorite shows of all time, which is probably why I'm a nerd like now. But Hell yeah. they were talking about when you, when you transport, you know, if, when you have that technology and you transport a living thing from A to B, yeah. you're essentially killing that thing at A and rebuilding it at B. So what does that mean? Right. Is, what, are you another person? Or, or did you just die and then you've been reborn? How does your everything transfer how does your thoughts and your consciousness transfer kind of deal that's that's a really interesting question we don't understand how the brain really works we don't but the thing is when you watch these videos greg i'm telling you that consciousness doesn't just become a thing that humans have consciousness they a lot of really smart consciousness is the universe that that's what they're saying that that when they when you measure i was telling you when you have a quantum thing and you measure it it changes who who knows how does it know that mm-hmm. that's crazy everything exists as a state in a state of probability at the quantum level basically it can be anywhere it's not until you measure it that it picks a point to be the best example is uh maybe an, a picture of an atom and people picture an atom oh well, it's got a, a nucleus of protons and neutrons and there's an electron spinning around it and that's kind of how it works it is but that electron can be in any particular orbit at any given time and you can't pinpoint until you actually measure it and it's it like picks a spot. superposition or whatever it's it is. superposition it's, it has a it's it's a probability curve mm-hmm. and it has a chance to be anywhere basically so when you when you have consciousness they, they think that con- consciousness creates matter it literally it's not the other way around matter doesn't create consciousness you, the thought creates the universe and that the universe essentially in, in the big picture is one conscious thing you and me and dogs and th- everything that can think or can understand is part of the same thing. And we are just, these meat suits are just a version of the universe figuring out how to perceive it, okay. basically. So I watched a video on, on the brain and really its limitations. Your brain is in a box locked inside your head that's dark and soundproof. And it requires the eyes to send in information and the ears and all of our senses, which are all flawed. And it's got all those inputs that are flawed. All those inputs that are flawed. It's just got a bunch of little ropes it can pull for output. Yeah. And we, <laughs> and we think we we think we're seeing what we're seeing, but you know what, Greg? We're, we don't really see the universe in the way that the universe really is. And I watched a lot of different mind mind tricks that he was playing with sight. And the mind for visual input, it takes up the most of our brain because that's that's what takes up a lot of our, our powers is, is visual processing. Yeah. There was a picture of like dark gray and light gray squ- squares like a checkerboard. And then there was a cylinder with fake light like projected on a picture to where it looked like a shadow. Mm-hmm. 
And he would say, is that square the same color as this square? And you'd look at it, oh, those are two completely different colors. And you would take that square off and move it, and it was the exact opposite color. Yeah. And even though, even though I knew that color was not the same, I couldn't make my eyes see it because your brain has a, uh, an input and a shortcut for shadows. Yeah. And so the shadows work so this way. That's why you have all those like illusions that you can do. They, and they just and you and you know consciously mm-hmm. that's not the way that's supposed to look. But your brain says, I don't know. Shadows work this way. Right. So that's what I'm going to show you. That's the reason I, ne- I never think about it, that I can see my nose all the time. <laughs> you can. If you cross yeah, your you, eyes, yeah, you can yeah, see your you nose. Can. It's right there. But it's just weird that you that you your mind plays tricks like that. Subconscious, even though it is, it's there. It's there. Yeah. Clearly, I can see it. For my sure. nose is bigger than yours. Yeah, well, that's how you use it. So, anyways, <laughs> but that looks so perplexed. Like that. <laughs> they did a, an, an experiment with uh, with sound and with light. And they 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 use runners on the point that they could take off, and you know they had to shoot the gun, and the guys take off to run. They slow motion filmed of four runners going with the gun, and the gun was pulled, and then you can see it. Nothing happens, and then they go because yeah. it takes it takes like 0.2 seconds for your brain to interpret that. Yep. So like, well, light travels faster than sound, so let's use a light to cue these people, and I bet they leave faster. Ah, they, interesting. It's very cool. So they put a little light down there instead of pulling the trigger, and they, they flash the light. And the interesting part was it took them twice as long to go with the light input. And that's kind of funny. I was like, why? Because it takes more processing power to interpret the visual stimuli because it's a more complicated system than hearing hearing what, a, what about touch what if they slap them on the back they, they didn't do touch they that, didn't, they i bet didn't. that would be the same if not slightly faster you think than so hearing. touch touch versus hearing I, they didn't they didn't do touch they did they did hearing is twice as fast as as, as light because it's, it's a more simple system in your in your brain so that's kind of cool one of the other cool things was perception of time on your your visual input depending on what type of situation if you're in a stressful situation how things that um, or life-threatening takes slow time down. Mm-hmm. Like a guy fell off a building, and, like, and he, he pictured it, it took forever. But it only took like 0.2 seconds, but it took forever. The amygdala in your brain actually changes your perception formation of memories based on the stress you are having during the time that these memories are being created. Oh. So the more stressful the situation is, the longer it seems to happen in your brain. So when you recollect an event, it's like, oh, man, that took forever. But it really didn't, obviously. The same time is the same. So your brain does all these really crazy things to say, oh, well, here's my perception of the world, and I think we got this. The visible light spectrum, if you look at if you look at light or you look at visual perception, it, it goes from very we, – we see light in a very narrow band of colors, for the, the red, green, blue, indigo, violet color yeah. spectrum, right? Yeah. It's a certain amount of nanometers. I don't know the actual lengths, but the the spectrum across that goes into the infrared and then the X rays and the gamma rays and radio waves and microwaves. Yep. If you if you put it on a piece of paper, there's this massive spectrum of information coming in that we can't even begin to interpret. We t- and we kind of touched on this before. We can't hear radio waves. We can't Thank see God infrared. I cannot see radio waves. All this all this information because RF would be. It was insanely insane. polluted imagine, everywhere. Imagine seeing heat and how complicated that would be to process all that too. Mm-hmm. So we don't have the ability to take in and progress process this all that information the universe has to send to us. We're just missing out on that completely because we're just these little carbon-based life forms. Now we can sight, you can hear, and you smell and taste this little bit. So we just don't know what's coming in, kind of deal. So I go back to numbers. Okay, so I'm a I'm a big fan of the universe is very, I would say it's digital. Let's, let's put it that way. It's not analog. Okay. The universe is digital. 
And if you want to have your mind blown, look up the Fibonacci sequence kind of deal and apply that and to fractals a, that fractals in nature. The, the Fibonacci sequence is basically you take a one plus one and then you get two and then you take the two plus one, and you get three and you take the last product and you add it together and you keep getting this continuous number. Eight plus five is 13, 13 plus eight, so on. Mm -hmm. That's it's in nature everywhere. It's a ratio. It's the golden ratio is like 1.680034. And it's just a ratio you find in in the cell in the, on the shells of snails. You find it in in the circumference of flowers and the petals. Um, you find it in the structure of the galaxy, as far as the arms of the spiral galaxy. It's everywhere. Wow. It's, it's it's everywhere. Math is in nature, and it's you can't. It's everywhere. So it's just weird if you think about it. The math permeates everything. That why wouldn't we be living in a computer simulation? That's what I was just gonna say. And that's where I'm going with this. And if you have something that's re recurring like that, recurring, and just you have all these programs basically. So we're gonna, I'm gonna go back convenient. to the Oregon Trail mm -hmm. we talked about earlier, where you're shooting that little bullet yep. at the ox and kind of deal. Yep. That's a game, and it's the that character was your avatar, and you were playing that person. So what's to say that we're not an avatar, or we're not part of a what's called a simulated universe where there's a there's a guy named Nick Bostrom. He's a very smart guy. And back in I think 2003, he he postulated one of three things is happening. This is a simulation theory, and I'm going to get this wrong because it's complicated. But either we're not living in a simulation, or future generations will have the ability to make simulations. They're called ancestral simulations, where basically you, it's like it's like a game. Basically, you say, hey, here's the the inputs. Here's a computer that's really super powerful, and we give people free thought and they're basically characters in a game and they just run history it's, it's studying history basically. i mean if you have that much math to be able to run that why wouldn't you why why then that's where he's going with that it's like why wouldn't this be happening so elon musk you'd, you'd want to run scenarios you'd want to run simulations. it'd be interesting as hell it's very you interesting can be like, look at what develops you can probably yeah. use that to get more technology yeah. and things you haven't thought of absolutely and that's what they think is actually happening is that and the, the really crazy part about this is that it, it doesn't have a limit, an upper or lower bound on the level of, of simulation. So you and me, we play games like SimCity and SimLife, and, you know, virtual reality is really real. You know, it's very possible for simulations to have simulations within them, mm -hmm. where, we, where we play video games that are almost lifelike. Compared yeah. like to Pong in 1970 to video games now, yeah. give it that much more time. In fact, you don't even have to give it that much more time because it exponentially increases uh, technology. Within 10 years, you, a video game will probably be indistinguishable from real life. Yeah, just wait for The Sims 10. And Sims then The 10. Sims are going to be like, I bet we might be in a simulation. Then that, that could be. So that's another thing, too. And in simulation, you know you know, you, you know what an NPC is, right? Yep. A non-player character. It's, yep. it's a character in a game that's not controlled by a human. It's just the, the things you interact with. So if you believe in the simulation theory, there's a very good chance that I personally, Mike, am the only human in this entire universe, and you, Greg, and everything else I talk to is a non-player character put in this plane for me to interact with. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just some people or just a very little bit or it's it's everybody you, you can look at it in many different ways so they're trying to figure out like how much computing power would you need to do uh simulation theory on, on a scale like that we have right now and it's actually not that much more than we would conceivably have as our own species within the next 20 or 30 years especially when quantum, quantum easy come out. easy yeah so I, I come back around full circle to the Fermi paradox, why we haven't found any other life forms. And simply because in this, if you believe in the computer simulation theory, it's because there are none. And we are the only living things, quote, living things plugged into this particular simulation to do what we do. And that there is simply nothing else out there 
for us to see because it's not about that. Or it's, they have parameters put in where we don't see that's, each other. It's very possible too. And that's also it's also a neat thing is in when you're playing a computer game and you have a load screen, you know, that's loading that next area up because, you know, the computer doesn't render all the things unless you're actually participating in it. It's the same yeah. thing. There's another thought that's the same thing on this world that if you can't see it at that moment and you're not participating, it's not there. So your entire kitchen right now, unless something is looking at it, like a person outside, it doesn't exist. It's not there. Right. It just isn't taking up any computer power. Which is like the human development, too, with babies. They go through that phase. Do they? They don't see it. It's, it's doesn't not exist. That, yep. That's why peekaboo is so peek-a-boo. awesome. Peekaboo. Yep. If you don't see it, it doesn't exist. The, uh, the continuation of reality, basically. So uh, so Neil deGrasse Tyson, too, he's another really smartest uh, physicist kind of deal. He's a big fan of the simulation theory, too. And he goes... If you take all these simulated environments and you take you take it's called base reality so base reality would be that we are not living in a simulation it's just we are what we think we are we're carbon-based ice forms we're legit we're really humans we're really biological and that's called base reality and then if you also believe in simulation theory that okay well maybe we're a simulation and then maybe there's a simulation in that well if you're not they're not going to run just one simulation they're going to run hundreds of billions if not trillions of simulation because they're going to have the power to do that they're not going to yeah. run just one they're going to run a shitload of them so you just take all of those things and you drop put all the simulations, if you will, and, and you know you throw a dart at them. What are the chances that you're actually going to hit base reality versus one of the trillions of simulations that you are actually yeah. in base reality? It's, the number is so small that you are most likely, for sure, living in a computer simulation. Yeah, and, and we're not bound by their time either. So no. our entire 13 billion years could be just could a, be a, a minute, nanosecond could be an hour. in their simulation. Yeah. We have no so, idea. The time scales could be completely. They could be running an entire billionaire human history in an hour or a minute. You you don't or, know. Or it's just a quick a second, and then, they, and then they start over. They're again. doing a thousand of these universes yeah. that are twenty, thirty billion years yeah. old a second. Because see, we don't know. Okay, thirteen billion years. Yeah, but humanity isn't an intelligent species. Only been around for a few tens of thousands of years. You know. Yeah. So all that could just be bullshit. <laughs> Right. That's why we don't know what happened before the Big Bang because there was nothing. It's like someone turned on the computer, click. Yeah. That's literally what they think happens too. So there's a lot of theories, a lot of math that kind of point to why this is legit. And kind of, some of it comes down to what's called the pixelated universe, where you know, if you have a, your laptop, your TV has the smallest unit of rendering, it's a pixel, it's the smallest unit of space on the, yeah. on the screen. It's the same thing with Planck times, same thing with Planck space. There's no, can, there's no useful information in something smaller than the Planck scale. It's just, there's nothing there. So nothing. So that's a, a resolution that's of our your universe. The resolution it's, of the it's, simulation. It's, the simulation is a Planck scale. Um, and then a lot of the things that they, they simply can't figure out are just because it's not meant for us to figure out. The information isn't there, and we won't know. So a lot of those things, for example, um, what I just talked about, quantum entanglements, from something from A to B traveling faster than light can possibly permit information travel would only work in a digital world. Because if you have a pixel on one side of your computer and you have a pixel on the other side of your computer and you turn your computer off, they both turn off at the same time. Regardless of how far pixel A is from pixel B, it could be the biggest computer screen in the entire universe. It could be a thousand miles across. Yeah. And you turn off the computer monitor, both the pixels shut off at the same time. Information travels faster than the speed of light. Yep. So that works in a simulation theory because how else are you going to have something travel faster than causality from A to B if it's not digital? It's impossible. Mm-hmm. So that that is uh, again is another thing that points to um why we are most likely living in a computer simulation personally what do i think i i'm leaning towards we are i'm leaning more towards yes we are but what does that mean it means am i gonna change my day no no i'm still gonna do 
what I'm, if someone came, came to me and said, Mike, I guarantee you 100% that you are living in a computer simulation. Great. What? And? And? <laughs> <laughs> I still got to go to work, bro. I You're still so got to do these things. Aren't you? Literally, that might change <laughs> one or two things. Because if I could get an answer to what happens after this body dies, like what happens right. next, then that could change things. If I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking, not getting an answer. I'm just saying, someone's so saying you it are. It wouldn't change it for you. Wouldn't change it for me. For at all. me, it would lead uh, to develop things and go towards a global push for technology, so we can supersede the simulation could we get and become out? a virus could in we their system get out of the situation that's the thing like what would we do and think about this too the simulation the the level above us that's running the simulations could very well also be a simulation oh, and the so level above that and the level above that and you don't know nested nested simulations that you just don't know how far up it goes and what are you going to do to get out of it like what does that even mean we're basically going to be like a droid in their world we're just it, there's no advantage to us we're not gonna what <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you still got to do your thing I maybe they're eat. measuring how long it takes for something to evolve from like the amino chains to the full multi-cell to making the own simulation to leaving to becoming full um, just mechanical, whatever. I, th I think computer-based civilization to where it takes over the simulation all the way, and you're like, boom, that's the point we measured again. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point to where our simulation, to where our reality is able to create a simulation on, on scope on the scale that's identical to one that we're in, mm -hmm. and they kind of go, okay, check mark, <laughs> start over yeah. again, kind of deal. You know, so there was a really cool episode now that we're talking about this on, on Star Trek Next, Next Generation. I forgot what episode it was. Um, but there was a cube, and it was like a six-meter cube. And the, sim the it was a simulation. And it was, I, I, what was it? The, the holodeck, which is one of my favorite things. It was mm -hmm. a wonderful uh, plot device. All kinds of shenanigans happened because of the holodeck. The holodeck characters became conscious. They became aware that they were in a, really? a computer program. That's awesome. Now, for 1990s technology, this is a pretty cool plot line. So the, one, of the, one of the characters uh, in the holodeck, one of the computer programs, became conscious of the fact that he was a computer program. And I should probably watch this episode. And he, from within the holodeck, was able to take over the Enterprise Dang. and basically get out of the box, essentially, which is a pretty cool plot, mm -hmm. um, which parallels exactly what we were talking about right yeah. now yeah. so of course the, you know picard and, and Riker and them being data being the awesome crew that they are figured out how to basically trap him and they what they did was they fooled him into thinking he was in the real world but they managed to put him back into the computer program oh yeah without him knowing and they put him back in the, and there was this little box like a six centimeter by six you know six inch box cubed and it was and had its own power supply and as a computer and they, they didn't kill him, you know, because that's not how the TNG yeah, rolls. That's not cool. They plugged him back into this box, and it had enough computing power and enough energy, they said, to last, I don't know, a stupid amount of time. And that he was just his own little world, again, thinking he got out into oh, the real man, world. That's what's going to happen to us. Doing his thing, but he was just still in a little box. And this is before Bostrom came up with this simulation theory 10, 15 years after that. So that's pretty cool. And I don't think we have to worry about the scope of the universe while we're still biological. I, I don't either. It, so there's plenty to do. There's so much space out there. Like the, the Milky Way anything, probably, Thanks for all the space. Yeah, thanks for all the space. Instead that, of just Earth being the center yeah. and that's it and there's like, nothing else out there. And that, and that is one of the, okay, that is one of the counter arguments to why the simulation theory isn't the thing is why would there be 
all of the galaxies out there kind of deal. To which the counter counter argument is they're just they're just digital images. It's just a little little blurb put up there as a. Is few. there a religion for the simulation creators? <sighs> there probably is. I don't. I don't. It's I don't see really why. There, I don't see on. why there wouldn't be. I mean, there hasn't caught on. You oh. know, the the dude. <laughs> has his own philosophy his own religion kind of deal so yeah so the counter counter argument is like it's they're just pixels bro they're just it's just information out there that just takes just a few bits of data to render because it's so far away think about it i mean tiny yeah there's Light. not a lot there not out there so what so so yeah that's the kind of stuff i <laughs> think about with with uh our perception of reality honestly and uh i i i'm a firm believer in living a good life intentionally and that karma itself is a proactive thing to where if you're living a shitty life and you're a shitty person and you're doing shitty things, whatever that is, something out there is quantizing that and giving you shit. I agree. And it's, it's, it's silly because I try to be positive. I think positive. Um, I proactively pick positive thoughts. If a negative thought comes in my head, I, I squash that and I think of 10, 10 or whatever more possibly better outcomes. And I'm a firm believer that maybe the multiverse is also a thing too, which is a whole other conversation that's mm -hmm. separate from or could be included in simulation theory. But real quick, the multiverse is a, is a, a, a theory that there's an infinite number of universes and f some the, it's based off of decisions, choices. So in one universe, Mike t Mike didn't didn't come over to Greg's house today because he was welding again. He forgot to come over. Freaking guy. And that spawns <laughs> an entirely new world line, an entirely new universe that's just continually branching out from. Basically, if there's a choice to be made by a living thing that makes a choice, each possible infinite outcome spawns a new universe. So it gets pretty big. So. In that scope, if I, I believe that thinking positively and picking positive lines, um, I proactively choose to live in a beneficial universe for Mike, where good things are more likely to happen to me versus bad things. That's I pretty steer. selfish against all the other Mikes. It just is. Well, saying. that's their problem. And if oh, that's negative. It's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> but they're still me. So if those mics are also thinking like me, which they probably are because they're mics, then they're picking good lines too. So hmm. I know that sounds silly. It's the kind of make your own destiny kind of thing. And I think that if the universe has a chance to err on a positive thing or a negative thing for me, it's going to pick the positive side. Yeah. Because that's what I choose. And I know that sounds silly. Oh, we well, are picking universe. This is a bunch of garbage, blah, blah, blah. You don't know that. And I don't know that. So what's the harm in thinking that it is positive? Because maybe you do make your own reality on a quantum level. And maybe the small thoughts you have in your head actually shape your world because it's been proven that consciousness creates reality. It's called the double slit experiment. Look it up. It's really cool. Yep. Um, they figured this out back in 1910, 1920, real quick, that light travels in waves, but also travels as particles, depending on whether or not someone's observing it. That's yep. messed up. The fact they observe it. The changes. very fact that they look at the light, measure it, collapses the wave function and forces it to go a certain way. And they've redone this theory in modern times with using computers and error checking and looking at it, and they continually get the same result. In fact, it gets even more messed up with the newer version of it because it actually shows that quantum particles go back in time and change their outcome based on whether they were measured in the past. That's messed up. 
<laughs> the yeah. result changes and they go back in time. That's I can't even begin to explain because it. Because you measured it. Because you measured it. It's really crazy. They use light and they use crystals and they use computers to check where the photons go. It's just messed up. Dang. So it's it's been proven on a basic level that consciousness creates reality. So why not extrapolate that out into you thinking If there's about, no cons, if there's no like disillusion and you don't if there's no cons to the way of thinking then more power to you it doesn't i mean obviously i can't think of uh okay so this is this is that kind of builds off of that there's a uh, um, michio kaku is a he's a scientist an astrophysicist um he's a really smart guy watch some of his videos he actually asks his physics graduate students to calculate the percentage that an elephant will appear in a room randomly just out of space nice <sighs> I've heard that one. And it's pretty, and, it's, and that, I got it wrong. It's, it's some fantastical thing that, oh, that could never happen. And he goes, well, technically it could happen. It would just take more time than there's been in the universe for that possibility. So there's, there's a probability mm-hmm. that a pink elephant standing on a ball will manifest itself in the middle of his classroom during the test. It's very small right. probability, but it is possible, mm-hmm. which essentially means anything is possible True. given enough time. If you wrap, wrap your mind around that, that's pretty messed up too. So yeah. time is insane. It's really one of the factors that, and our universe is very young. It's only 13 billion years old. And give you some perspective, some of the stars that exist, like the red dwarfs, they, they can live for tens of trillions of years. Yeah, super young. That's just ridiculous. We're not even one trillion. Not yet. even one. <laughs> Just a little baby universe. <laughs> oh, so that's that's kind of a. I guess what time is? How long have I been rambling? We're now? hour ten. Hour ten. But oh. I was just. I mean, that stuff's great, and uh, I think about it a lot. Like y- your perception is your universe, yeah. right? And uh, it's just weird because I wonder what other people's their life, their universe is like. It's it's good. It's weird you point that out because. Um, I was doing some uplighting for my recent guest and I was like, does that look pink to you? I was asking the bride, does that look pink? She goes, yeah. And I, I, I saw her look on her face. She goes, why wouldn't that be pink? Cause we see colors differently. Mm-hmm. I see pink differently than you see pink. What is pink? I'm slightly colorblind. And so I'm losing some shades, there's a I whole, guess. There's apparently. a whole thing there. And that color is just a, a color is just a thing. Our brain, the world doesn't really have color. There's really no color here, but we perceive it to be this. This is not really blue. Right, <laughs> it's just a shade of gray that we 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 see it as blue because that's what our eyes do. So that's messed up too. That is, and everything we've designed like that artwork is just for us. It's just for us, and all the stuff around us that we make, all the things, are just atoms packed together kind of deal. Um, which they figured out how many atoms there are in the universe. So I can throw that at you real quick. So there's ten to the eightieth atoms. It's not even close to in a the universe. Not even, not even close. That's why I want to talk about a Google, and they and they did that based off a hundred billion galaxies and one trillion stars per galaxy. And there's ten to the fifty seventh atoms of hydrogen per star, on average. Oh yeah. So they just figured out. Oh well, those are the numbers, and then it's ten to the eightieth units of stuff. So that's fun. If you're bored and you want to look at numbers, because you know I'm a numbers guy, look up at the Wikipedia page and look under powers of exponential exponents, powers of of ten. And you think a trillion is a big number, a quadrillion, or nine million? It's not. It's septillion. You're not even getting started. And it goes <laughs> up to some of the biggest numbers that you can imagine. It's, it's numbers to the power of, it's insane. And there's a number called Graham's number uh, that's very, and these are finite numbers, which mm-hmm. is the cool thing. They end. Yeah. But they're so, they're so large, you, you can't even wrap your mind around how big 
these numbers are. Like, it just right. it just doesn't make sense, and it, you, the human mind can't perceive that. So again, it's our, we live in a world. Everything is a number, just like distance and space. Distance like. and space, and and all of it. It's all based off numbers. And once you kind of wrap your head around how inextricably the human race and everything is based off of numbers, it's crazy. If they found that certain animals can count in their own way, they don't have an actual representation of this is a number but they did they took these lemurs and they put a touch screen in front of them and they put two different cards one card would have one dot and one card would have like five dots and when it picked the number that was less it got a sugar pellet and they changed the representations from circles to squares to stars to different items and over time that animal would learn that less equals treat yeah so it could learn to count it's awesome an animal learned to count so they could actually test dogs and they had to open up a hand. I want to know something though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have two big beach balls. Yeah. And you have one really, really big golf ball that's bigger than both the beach yeah. balls. They picked the two? They were or the, the one? They they did. They, Even they, though it's they larger. They found that size didn't matter. Okay. So that's had, why I want to make sure. They had one larger. big thing or five small. They did all the variations they could right. to take out as many variables like as they could. And four golf balls, one bowling ball. Yeah. doesn't matter if the size was the number of the things. That's great. Th- these animals learned to count. I don't know why I questioned it. They're scientists. <laughs> I wouldn't talk about it <laughs> if it wasn't cool. So, yeah. So everything's based on numbers. And if everything's based off numbers, and that just means that it's, we're in a digital world. It just means that there's zeros and ones on and off, yes or no, at every level. And it just because we're so expanded out from the smallest of scale doesn't mean that we're any less you know, tied to equations and functions and forms. The, the guy that's... Uh, a, a very smart physicist found doing his math equations that one of the equations that Google uses as a search algorithm to show you the results you want is actually identical, not close to, it's identical to one of the equations that he's using in quantum mathematics. That essentially that code that is in Google is identical to a code in the quantum world used to figure out some shit. Interesting. Error correcting. So... That's pretty cool too. Like mm-hmm. All these, all these forms and functions and, and numbers and stuff. It's just we're tied to it. We can't get away from it. And I, I think it's either all or none. You can't kind of oh partially be, you know, digital or the you know Fibonacci sequence or or, or the, the golden ratio. That's kind of cool. Push off, push off, push off. It's it's yes or no. You are, you aren't. You can't right. kind of be like digital or not it's you are you aren't and i think we are honestly like i'll i'll end with that i think that we're we're part of a bigger a bigger system that none of us can really begin to know because we're in the system we we can't we can't see the out of thought it. camp on digital i'm also a one <laughs> well i'm a one because i'm not a zero because i'm not i'm not i'm not not i am yeah. i think therefore i am i guess we can leave it with renee descartes and kind of comes for a circle that back in the day you know he's like man the only thing the only thing that i can guarantee is that i can think and that I am, and that's it. And that's the only thing that he can truly know. The only thing that any human individually can truly know is that they are they exist, and that's it. And any knowledge other than that is not provable or is is, is a waste of time. You just can't wow. can't know. The only thing that you can know is that you exist. Period. So I guess I can leave it with that. That's pretty great. I know I exist. <laughs> I'm not a non-player character. <laughs> <laughs> that's I'm it, not an NPC. I am not an NPC. <laughs> All right, good shit, man. Good talk, bro. See ya. Here you go.